0: I didn't know if I'd have function of my left arm at that point in my life, but I, my life was secure, right. And so that literally shifted my perspective immediately. And that was one of the first core lessons that I started to apply, which is I learned not to get stuck by the things that have happened to me, but instead get moved by what I can do with them. And I believe that moved people move people. So I'm just trying to move as many as I can. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once.
1: Listen up. For such a time as this, we must grow our faith and business muscles. The self-help industry is trying to own spirituality and well-being The entrepreneurial space is becoming flooded with business pursuits focused on success instead of sustenance. But the only one who can make us fully whole, fully free, and fully alive is Jesus. So I'm ecstatic you walked into this hypothetical gym today. I'm your trainer, Tamara Andress, also coined an entrepreneurial rabbi, teaching the pursuits of God which unveil our purpose and ultimately unleash our desired provision. This FIT acronym is for Founders, Innovators, and Trailblazers. Here, Marketplace Ministers conversate and educate to build others from the inside out while also sharing their testimonies of endurance. So while it's not a fitness podcast, I do surely care about your mental, physical, emotional, relational, financial, and spiritual health. You're going to hear all about it. If you're passionate about your becoming journey, leading others to greatness, and living a life of abundance and joy, then you're well on your way to being fit in faith. Let's hydrate. Welcome to the show, you guys. I am so excited for you to meet my friend, Brian Boger, and to learn about all of the, I don't even know, there's so many uh, rap sheet items I could go down, and we'll talk about that in the intro to the show, but I am most excited about awakening sleeping giants. I feel like we have some people listening who might be asleep, Brian, and I want to wake them up. I'm such an activator alongside you in that regard, and so I know your story and the way that you show up is going to bless us today. Thanks for being here.
0: Man, I'm happy to be here. You uh, you definitely set the standard for energy, for invigorating people with life, for awakening those folks with, with what you infuse. And uh, I'm just trying to do my part as well. So I'm happy to be here, my friend.
1: Well, it'll be awesome. And so for those of you who are listening and don't know Brian, I'd love for you to just share a bit of your backstory, kind of jumping us into that uh, pretty traumatic moment. A lot of people know that I talk about trauma and I talk about it through a totally different lens because I haven't really endured bless me, Lord, I don't want this, as I say it out loud, a very hard physical uh, endeavor besides birthing babies. So <laughs> let's talk about where you were, not birthing babies, but doing something totally different as a baby yourself.
0: Well, let's first of all, not minimize birthing babies, because I, I know from having watched my wife give two and having complications in delivery, how much that actually is a trauma. So that is yeah. real. Let's yes, not minimize it. Yes, yes, that. But yes. Let's let us start with my story, but I am really happy that you kind of normalized trauma out of the gate because that's one of the first things I typically have to do. Yeah. Um, my mom, my brother, and I went to our local Walmart to get a one-inch paintbrush to complete a home improvement project. This was 1992. It was a 115-degree day. It was August 10th, 1992. We breeze through the checkout line. We get to the car. If you've been watching for four seconds, you know I talk fast. I'm loud. <laughs> I have a lot of energy. So it wasn't a surprise to my mom and brother that I was the first one to the car. Okay, but this was back in the days when there was key fobs. So I had to wait for my mom to literally stick her hand in the purse, (laughs) grab her key, stick it in the door and turn it so that we could go on with our way. And as I'm standing there waiting for that, a truck pulled up in front of the store, parked and the driver and middle passenger got out. Now the passenger all the way to the right felt the truck moving backwards. So he did what any one of us would do and scooted over to put his foot on the brake. But he instead hit the gas. Mm. Combination of shock and force threw him up on the steering wheel, up on the dashboard. And before you know it, he's catapulting 40 miles an hour across the parking lot right at me with no time to react hit our car, knocked out, ran over me, uh, ran over me, tore my spleen, left a tire track scar on my stomach, and then continued on to completely sever my left arm from my body. My brother, who's 14 months older, was with her- my mom at the time. And the next thing she heard was his voice saying, mom, Brian's arm is over there. And as she gazed up and looked oh. across the parking lot over those 10 foot trails, she saw my muscle cooking like hamburger on the parking lot. Uh. Okay. Now, I always have to call attention to the woman who literally saved my life that day. My mom is hugely responsible for me being here, but there was a nurse that walked out of the store right when that took place. And she saw the literal life and limb scenario right in front of her. And she went immediately into action. She came over and stopped the bleeding on the main wound, saved my life and instructed some innocent bystanders to go inside, fill a cooler and get my attached to them on ice within minutes to give me a fighting chance of having a reattached arm. So if it wasn't for this woman, I either wouldn't be here with you today, or I'd be here today with a cleaned up stump. And so this is where I want to normalize my portion of the story. Because yes, I know how unique my story is. The more I've told it for the last 31 years, the more obvious it becomes how unique my story is. However, every single one of you has a unique story. And I've learned that over these last 31 years as well. So regardless of the extremities of your story, what's important is that you learn to pause and become aware of the lessons you can extract from your stories so you can become intentional in how you apply those moving forward. And we all have the ability to do that. We also all have the ability to tap into the collective wisdom of other people's stories to shorten our own curve to learning. So hopefully some of my stories, some of my truth will give you permission to live yours.
1: Man, first off, he, you haven't said that before ever. I can tell. No, I'm just joking. Like the way that you just storytell. You're such a great storyteller, but it's like the details. I'm like taking notes in my head about like adding in times of days and temperatures outside just to put people inside of that. So the people that are listening here are both entrepreneurs, speakers, authors, teachers, trainers, coaches, and also just the human who is just trying to do a little more and live a little lighter. And so I wanted to take note to that for First off to just say amazing in that regard and then to come into the human side of what was transpiring in that not only from your mom we talked about motherhood a lot already in the show um, which I'm sure those listeners are like wait what's going on this is a dude but it's it's amazing to know the lens in which the mom is taking because that was immediately where I was put in that scenario not me as the person who had been rolled over but the mother who was just witnessing this happen so the trauma and the guilt and all these other emotions that I'm sure she felt as a bystander and then to that incredible nurse. But I love the next step, which is you're, you're not really in synchronicity with a lot of people. I do think of Amberly Lago, though. Are you familiar with Amberly have you met her? Uh,
0: you know what? I am. I don't know her well, but I'm familiar with her. And okay. I, I, the name well, is crossed across my my desk like probably 50 times.
1: Gosh, you guys have to connect because you're going right. to share so much in the healing process, I'm sure. Um, but she, hers was her leg and the hope of, of keeping it was 1% chance is what the doctors gave her yeah. to keep it. So I can't imagine what happened next with you as only a seven-year-old boy in the, in the mindset work and the emotional emotional yeah. work that happened on the other side?
0: Well, I mean, there's, there's a long, long story to answer that full question because the yeah. emotional work didn't start for 20 to 25 years later, but wow. we'll get to that, I'm sure. Yeah. But, but what did happen? I remember laying in that bed feeling sorry for myself, even at seven, yeah. asking myself, why me? Why me? Why me? And then we got overwhelmed with the number of people that were coming up to us who were families in the ICU saying, we're so sorry for what happened. We're so sorry for what happened to you. How can we help you? And then come to find out that their kid's laying in the hospital bed next to me with a terminal illness and doesn't know if they're going to live for another 30 days.
1: Mm.
0: I didn't know if I'd have function in my left arm at that point in my life, but I, my life was secure. Right. And so that literally shifted my perspective immediately. And that was one of the first core lessons that I started to apply, which is I learned not to get stuck by the things that have happened to me, but instead get moved by what I can do with them. Mm. And I believe that moved people move people. So I'm just trying to move as many as I can. But I get out of the hospital and this is where it really starts to come came together, Right. Because I had a teddy bear in between my arm, so my arm had to heal at 90 degrees, and inevitably people would say, hey, Brian, what happened to you? They were expecting me to be like, oh, yeah, my brother and I were racing our bikes down the street, and we crashed, or I flew off the jungle gym, or like whatever, right? a normal seven-year-old story, but what would I do? I was run over by a truck, and my left arm was torn. Now, I got really used to seeing people's jaws hit the floor, and once they would pick them up, they would pause. 99% of them would pause as soon as I said it, and they'd turn to look at my parents for validation, Mm. which told me to believe my truth. I mean, how could this seven-year-old be telling such an audacious story? And my parents would 10 out of 10 times be like, no, that's exactly what happened to him, right? But what did I start to believe? My truth wasn't going to be seen. It wasn't going to be understood. I wasn't feeling safe and protected. I wasn't feeling connected. And then those same people would start to view me through their lens of what they'd be capable of in my situation, immediately limiting mm. all these things that I'm not going to be able to do in the future. And... You know, I I remember the reaction back then because I use the F-bomb too frequently today. (laughs) But I literally was like, F that back then. I was like, I'm not going to do that. And what did the world tell me? The world said, man, if you've got a good mindset, if you're mentally tough, if you're mentally strong, you're going to be set. By the way, that's only part of the equation, but I didn't learn that for a long time. Okay. But here's what mine was. Brian's good. Brian's strong. Brian's capable. Brian can do anything himself. And I did. I crushed life. I shattered expectations, my, my own included. But then I found myself 13 years later in a situation where I rebroke my left arm, almost mm. lost it again, went 10 months with seven sur- through seven surgeons who were afraid to touch me into the deepest, darkest, most disconnected, lonely place I'd been as an adult at that time. And here's the reality, I was a little resentful in the beginning, because mm. I was surrounded by people, but nobody was there, no one, right? And then as I really started to feel it and think about it, I started to realize they just bought into the narrative I'd created for the room. Mm. Brian's good, Brian's capable, Brian's strong, Brian can do anything himself. But the narrative they added that I didn't even know existed was, oh, and if if Brian needs help, he'll ask for it. Mm. So I find myself in one of the most vulnerable periods in my adult life to that point, not having the courage to ask for help. My parents didn't even know how bad I was suffering, right? So that's kind of the beginning preliminary parts of it. But what did I start to do then? I started to realize that, I was only focusing on mental and I really needed to lean into human connection. And I believe vulnerability and authenticity are the glue that bonds human connection. So that's what I focused on for that next window. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot, right? I used to think my arm originally was my transformation story. When I rebroke it at 20, I realized all the trash from my past that I just buried and pushed through and not paid attention to. Right. And to the whole point on emotional healing, it was another 12 years after that, before I even realized that when I shut off physical pain, I also shut off mental pain, emotional pain, and spiritual pain for 20 to 25 years and didn't even realize it. And it almost Mm. cost me everything and everyone in my life that I ever cared about. But human connection Connection without emotion emotion? isn't really human connection. So what I've been focusing on really, although it was working, I was progressing further, I was still (laughs) kind of on that same cycle. And for the last decade now, I've been repairing and and removing (laughs) and learning more.
1: Wow. So in the connection point at, I guess you were about 20 in the second scenario, is that right? Yep. So yep. processing that and then you mentioning that was another 12 years before the emotional intelligence kind of journey began, how were you going about, quote unquote, connecting authentically yeah. or vulnerably without actually realizing the emotional tie and spiritual tie to that?
0: Because I was intellectually sharing just enough to get other people to feel safe and to drop their armor so I could drive my Mack truck of helping people through and avoid my own problems. Mm, Okay. mm -hmm. But the other side of this is, is that I didn't have a healthy model for chasing who. So though I was leaning into vulnerability and authenticity, what did the world tell me? Chase what? What house? What car? What amount of money? What amount of success? And that's the only model that I had. So I built that. By 27, I had a 10 million dollar business, had everything I ever thought I ever wanted, and I don't say that to impress. I say it to impress my point. Yeah, it cost me who I was. Right, and I woke up at that point and started to look inward. But again, it was still a handful of years further before the full element of emotion came into play. And you know, I told you that it's only part of the equation. Now, working with some of the world's highest performers and doing it within my own world. What I see consistently is those that really reach the highest level and can sustain it are those that understand both their intellectual and emotional narratives and know how to balance and regulate between them both because they both lie to you and they both tell you the truth. So distinguishing that in any given moment is going to be the difference between reacting or responding and moving yourself forward.
1: That's awesome. I mean, the person that actually introduced us was Dave Meltzer. So I was on that live with you guys. And yep. I didn't even know you were going to be there when I jumped on. I'm like, oh, there's another friend here. And it was just such a great conversation. But to parallel that to other one of those high-performing people, I mean, truly, the, the depth of that man is what is, is creating consistency and magnetism. And so that's where I really lean into for my own personal journey. I was about 29 when I came to this understanding of holy cow, I've built this life that is completely void of truth, to be honest. And, and that was because I was really good at projecting a false reality to others while again, suppressing what it was that I was walking through because I didn't know how to emotionally handle anything. I didn't even know how to process it. And surely to speak to the last element that you're talking about is ultimately discernment, discernment between like, What information have I just received? Is this true? Is it true for me? And is it truth? Right? Because there's variability in understanding. Like feelings are not facts, and so we have to be able to process that. You were married at this point, twenty seven ish. Okay, I got married
0: at twenty five. Okay, so now walk me through that.
1: Walk me, because I know for my own sake, I didn't marry. The person that, or I should say, he didn't marry the person that he just remarried at our 10 year wedding vow renewal. He, I was not that same person. I didn't even know who yeah. that person was. So what's the evolution of creating those connections, but now deepening one of the closest relationships that you have and, and being like, Hey, by the way, there's more to me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, the reality of it is, is there's, there's quite the story that goes into this. Yeah. You know, I believe that I was closer to my current self when we first got married than my wife got to experience for probably the 14, 15 years that were in between it Yeah. Um, because I got lost and I got really, really buried in my own life. But my partner is incredible. And I would tell you that it was 2019 after I'd started this kind of development process, I'd already unpacked and realized that I was dealing with some shame at a pretty deep level that was impacting myself, my relationships and my business. We had a weekend where we went away and my wife ultimately said, Hey honey, what, is, what does it look like if you didn't go to the office? Mm-hmm. And I was flooded in fear, drowning in my doubt, totally swearing in my shame, and I, you know, buried it and in that moment. It was like I laughed. I was like, Hey, honey, why don't you tell me more? Like that's a pretty loaded question. Yeah. And she went on to explain that she felt like fear had entered into my life in a way that she'd never witnessed me operate. And she felt like I'd convinced myself that we needed the money, the status, the prestige of what had been built in our business. And she said, Look. I don't care if we live in a cardboard box on the corner, what we need is hundred percent of you and we don't have it. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Right. And I had to really go inward and start to pay attention to that. And the next three months I unpacked it pretty deep. You know, here's the truth. Fear takes root where the light of truth doesn't shine. Yeah. Right. She was wanting me to see myself in the ways that she saw me, even when I wasn't seeing myself there. 10 months later, I left, executed my buy sell. Our business at this time was pushing 16 million. And it was a beautiful growth story, but I was miserable and I was still lost, right? We had kids by this time. We were moving. We were growing. Here's the crazy part. She encouraged me to leave, to go lean in, to help everyone discover the core of who they are and live their best lives. And less than a year later, April of 2021, we sat on our back patio and she went on to tell me that things I'd done, ways I'd showed up, patterns I created early in our relationship, many of which still existed, created a path that caused her to lose who she was. Mm -hmm. That was like a dagger to the heart, right? But what did we unpack through that? We unpacked that I had a really, really deep, dark level of anger that was buried so deep it could barely be excavated. Now, she knew about it. She'd been trying to bring it to my attention for 10 years, but I was never in a place to receive it, accept it, understand it. Now, when I say I had anger, I never hit my family, sure. but I have a very big personality. I have an ability to infuse life into people. Imagine that flipped on the other side, Yeah. right? Just the edge, even if words aren't said, can still cut to the bone for certain people. And the reality of it is... is, is I had to really pay attention to what was going to happen from that point forward. Yeah. Right. I'm so big on congruency and authenticity. And we're talking about this family life and integrating life and business. And then I don't know if I'm going to be married for another 30 days. Yeah. So I had to practice even what I preach. And I went through my own waste to wealth methodology. I had to dig, I had to find the source. And I promised my wife on that day that I was going to do everything in my power to ensure the negative effects of anger it didn't affect our house as a result of me. Again, I'm proud to say that in just about three years now, It's only happened four or five times, and it's not happened in a significant period of time. And now it's gotten to a place where it's a completely different relationship than it's ever been because repair has been established, trust has been established, and emotional safety now exists. We've broken generational patterns. My kids don't even remember having an angry dad anymore. Come on. Okay. Now that's an absolute gift. But what I like to say about my wife and I is we've been together for 17 years. We hid from each other for 14 and she's only (laughs) felt emotionally safe with me for 18 months. Mm. So for the very first time in the last 18 months, I feel like we're getting the chance to have the real depth of intimacy and partnership. And I don't think it's in any way a coincidence that we're living the best life we've ever lived as parents, as partners, as lovers, as friends, and now business partners. Because although I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years, my wife never wanted to be in the businesses and now she is the best integrator and executor and COO I've ever had around me. And it was her emotional safety in our home that created the opportunity for her to lean into how she could be a partner and an entrepreneur with me so that we're partners in life, not just partners in home.
1: Oh, you touched on so many things, Ryan. Okay. Let's see, where should we go? I think shame was the word that really just popped out to me because, one, that's I'm on mission to obliterate shame and activate purpose. But I know that shame connected to marriages, connected to relationships, connected to the other element that I'd love to dive into is the waste to wealth methodology is shame will keep you in that waste bin. It'll keep you in everything that you surmount to as an ultimate waste anyway, because you're hiding in this place of shame. What would you say are some like practical ways that as you journey this out and you all adventured even together or individually Kind of excavating with the word that you use, the shame element to your own life.
0: Yeah, I mean, it first had to start, and again, we'll we'll hit on some of the pillars of the of the waste to wealth concept, but it really had to start with identifying and recognizing that shame even existed, right? Awareness in its most basic sense. Um, But for me, it started at a place, and I always credit Brene Brown for helping me see it clearly, because. I always identified shame with its first talk track, which is I'm not worthy and I'm not good enough. Yeah. I'd be lying if I told you I didn't have moments that I existed there, but that's not been my predominant narrative. Like it yeah. just it wasn't. And so I was like shame never really fit, but she outlines that when you shut that down, you show up in the arena and you're ready to go to battle. It's who do you think you are? See everything major I ever did in my life, I felt the need to apologize for. I felt the need to pull the throttle back in my life. And I now know why, and I've unpacked the sources yeah. to really get to the root of that. But I had to first accept that it was really, shame traps us on both sides, right? I'm not worthy and I'm not good enough. And when we actually go to perform, it's like, wait, 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 nope, nope. I'm going to check you back into place. Yeah. And one of the most common words that's associated with shame is the word should, mm. right? And think about it. We're all born as our brightest, most authentic burning lights we're ever going to be, right? And then what happens from the time we're toddlers, we have parents, teachers, coaches, employers, grandparents, extended family that start saying, you should do this, you shouldn't do that. You should right. be this, you shouldn't be that. You should want this, you shouldn't want that. You should live here, have this kind of car, be with these type of people. You should never go over and associate with them. Yeah. What does should do? Should is a shame based word because it immediately implies that whoever you are, whatever you're doing, you're not good enough. Right. Right. And then it starts funneling us down that funnel to fit with inside the box of who the world has told us who to be to the point that so many of us forget who we are in the first place.
1: Yeah.
0: But what do we do? A lot of high performers learn to receive love, validation, and connection through performance.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: And so as long as we keep showing up and doing for people and performing, then we're going to be okay. Yep. But the reality of it is shame is the ultimate wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. Because it shows up as scarcity, guilt, control, perfectionism, fear right? And 50 other emotions. And so one of the things that we really get people to do is to not put the label on the emotion, but better understand where and how is that showing up in your body and in your world, which is one of our pillars. Because until you can start to understand the pattern recognition or really understand how it's showing up, you cannot get ahead of it. Yeah. And so I look at all these things like anger. Anger is a secondary emotion. Yeah. right? It is armor. Anger is armor. And the whole purpose is to, for self-personal protection. Right. And so for me, I used to think I was just angry. No, my anger was armor to my shame when I didn't feel good enough as a husband and father. And my wife would say something like this, Hey honey, what do you want to do with the kids this weekend? But my shame filter would cause me to hear it this way. Hey honey, you've not done enough to be a good husband and father here recently. So what are you going to do to make up for it this weekend? Mm. And my anger would kick in. My chest would puff. My heart would race. And I'd rattle off the 10 things I've done in the last four days to show her I'm a good husband and father when that wasn't even what she was asking. Right. 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 Like shame can cause us to see Uh. things in a way that's not accurate. And to your point, That doesn't exist within truth. And I do believe that truth is the only thing that will set us free.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's, there's so much that was brought even to light in that conversation with the explanation of what are these other things that are being kind of like dangled in front of us day to day as things that actually have a root of shame uh, rather than, because I went to a conference recently. I'll give a great example. And we did this like board breaking experience. And I thought it was great. Everyone had to write like what's their biggest um, limiting belief on the board. And throughout the weekend, I, I even got to punch it myself, right? And like bust through that limiting belief. And throughout the weekend, I had this message the Lord had given me couple days prior to, and I was realizing that everyone was kind of sharing, and it's always synchronous how that happens, but not a coincidence, of the same exact concept of like busting through the limiting belief, busting through the limiting belief. What's your limiting belief? That's the only thing keeping you back from the ambition in which you want to embrace and go after and it was the night before i was speaking i'm like gosh should i just scrap this whole thing because i feel like that's kind of what my message is and god had me go deeper he was like no you're going to say the real thing you're going to say the thing that's beneath the limiting belief because it's easy for us to write down limiting beliefs but the limiting belief is just a cover to ultimately shame and so and and ultimately shame is a covering to sin and so is that sin pride? Is it lust? Is it envy? Is it gluttony? Um, all of these things that we put on the outside that have been normalized by culture, right? It's been normalized to have a drink every single day when you get off work for the five o'clock happy hour. It's been normalized to, it's okay to be angry. You're rightfully, righteously angry because she should have never said it like that in that tonality, right? And so there's these things that happen in the progression of humanity, ultimately, secularized by what it is that's happening and what we're being projected on from a consumerism, from an advertisement, from a marketability perspective to say, your ego is exactly where it should be. In fact, it needs to be bigger and bolder and better, which is the opposite to shame and facing shame, which is the opposite to having vulnerability and authenticity, all of
0: this. By the way, ego yeah. is a byproduct of shame because ego is armor as well. Yes. So ego is a secondary piece. Yes. Now, one thing that I will False say humility. is I don't, I, I, what I will say, and I want to just clarify because I don't yeah. disagree with everything you said as it relates sure. to shame or shame and sin yes. in especially toxic society that's yeah. perpetuating certain elements. Right. But what I also want to normalize for anybody who's listening is shame can exist in very basic moments. Yeah. Shame can exist when you get hurt And your parent says, oh, it doesn't hurt. Suck it up. Mm, Stop crying. Totally. And all of a sudden you believe that your own experience isn't worthwhile, right? Shame can kick in that one time that your grandfather looked at you incorrectly when you loaded the dishwasher incorrectly. Shame can kick in when your parent chose your sibling to go to an event and you felt like you weren't good enough or missed out. And so what I do want to clarify is the roots of shame are not always connected to sin from the the person who gets
1: the same. 100%.
0: It is absolutely clear. And I want to make sure that when so we good. talk about trash from your past, we talk about it through the lens of the trash from your past is not your fault,
1: Yes. but it
0: does become your responsibility once you become aware of it or you start burying others in yours. And so the reality of it is shame can also be inherited. It can yes, be generational. That's,
1: yeah, you my said relationship
0: that. with money came from three generations yes. back on yes. my dad's side of the family. Which I had shame about my yeah. relationship with money that had nothing to do with me, nothing to do with the world, and everything to do with how I was conditioned, right? So, so that's what I wanted to normalize, is that so there are a lot of people who that. suffer from shame, but they've never actually existed in a place right. where they're creating damage or they've created sin. Right.
1: That's so good, Brian, and so critical, and, and this is a part, I think, when I... Th- Uh, process what's being shared from the pulpit that there hasn't been this um, cognizant awareness or emotional intelligence development for them to even have language to speak into it they're all for breaking generational curses right they're all for that but they're not explaining it or expressing it enough that we can stand without shame in this moment today That's right. and so we're perpetuating shame but we're trying to by prayer just cut something that they don't even know how to process.
0: Well, it's even the same thing when everybody and every guru out there right now is like, just be grateful. Just <laughs> yeah. have gratitude. Gratitude and it's like,
1: practice. Okay.
0: Yeah. Like, yes, there's truth to that. But again, most people then hear that and they're like, well, I need a gratitude journal and I have to write on gratitude every single day. Well, what does it become? It becomes an intellectual only process. Yeah, It's not fully embodied. It's not understood. It doesn't get into a place where we actually have transference and transformation internally. And so if it is only an intellectual shift, then we're missing something. But what you said is also relevant. Shame is suffering for most people. And I believe that suffering exists typically in four places. Yeah, The things that are left unsaid The things we lack permission to feel or say, the things we lack the words to articulate or understand, or the things that are left undone. The reason my purpose in life is to allow my truth to give others permission to live theirs. The reason I talk so vulnerably, so openly about what's possible in marriage and business, even through damage and crazy times, is because every time I say it, not only does it alleviate suffering internally because it further reconciles it, but what do I also do? I give language to give other people permission to feel something that maybe they are leaning into feeling permission on for the very first time in their entire lives. And I give them words to articulate and understand their unique situation through a lens that they may not have heard it or understood it. So now what do they get the ability to do? Act or do and move themselves through it. So
1: good. Oh my gosh. I knew I loved you when I first met you. And now I'm like, oh my goodness, you guys. Brian has a podcast. He has a YouTube channel. He's on all the things. He's obviously a coach and a speaker. Uh, I want people to be able to get connected to you, Brian, um, and to know that that connection is going to go far beyond what I think a lot of people are offering from a connectivity perspective. As you're developing what it is that you're growing. It's ultimately a movement. Uh, and I, I hope that I am now underneath that umbrella of, of pushing you forward sure. so that more people can hear this, but also that I'm willing to wave that white flag because ultimately I think in order to get to this place and this level of understanding, it's a constant, um, air of, of surrender. It's it's every day be like, "Woof, I got that wrong. It's, hey, I need help, right? Asking for help and making it known to people that I don't understand. So tell me more, right? Or I need help understanding or dissecting this situation. Or why did I respond like that? Or why didn't I respond like that? Uh, I want people to not fall asleep with shame. And so what are some additional ways that people can do that and come alongside the movement or your community?
0: Yeah, well, it's funny that you use the word surrender because it's one of three words I have tattooed on my of left arm. Of surrender, breathe. Okay? Because I know that if I can trust myself and trust the universe, trust what's happening, trust that I'm going to be safe and okay, then I can surrender to know that whatever's going to happen in through around me is exactly what's supposed to happen and the timing yeah. is always perfect. Yeah. So I can allow myself to breathe through it and that is exactly one of the reasons that it's on my arm. Uh, if you are a social media person, you can go find me at Bogart Brian on all channels um, if you're watching this and anything resonates with you, we run three-day virtual summits that are 18 hours of content and coaching that go deep on the waste-to-wealth methodology. Mm-hmm. And so we teach people to transform their waste-to-wealth inside themselves, inside their businesses. And what does that mean? It's five pillars that we didn't cover yet today, but they are guaranteed to help any individual or any organization identify and remove or transform the waste they didn't even know existed within them into wealth-generating activities that will connect and convert through the world. Okay. So if you want to join in one of those, just because I'm here with you today, because you're a friend, because you're a champion and you're helping us move more people, I'm going to give a VIP code to anybody who's listening on this today. If you go to go.brianbogert.com backslash amplify, and you enter the VIP code VIP 100, you'll get free access to our September three-day event. And you can go deeper on this for yourself and your business
1: good Lord, you guys have to get in on this because it's, he's literally scratching the surface. And if you're listening, and you're like, I have no idea what they're talking about. First off, go back and start over because the simplicity to what he's saying is there. It is possible, especially hearing it from two different people who have walked through two totally different lifetimes. And yet we're both here like shaking our head for those who aren't watching. We're both just like, yes, 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 the entire time, because it's so critical and yet so possible. I think the last piece I'd love for you to close in on, Brian, is connected to what you shared with the breathe or the breath, right? And an understanding that God is in the midst of this story. He's in the midst of all of our stories and the element of freedom. And so we talked about it connected to truth, but in your spirituality growth on the other side of the emotional elements too, what have you discovered? And, and understanding that, that surrender is because he has cultivated something far greater than you could control anyway. What does that spirituality story look like, and how do you help people in that regard as well?
0: Yeah, I help people in that regard the same way I do in every other category, objectively and non judgmentally, because I mm-hmm. do believe and support that there are so many varying beliefs, so many varying opinions, and even one of the things that we talk about in our group room is that I don't want people to let the language get in front of the lesson, Mm. right? Because often I'll use the word universe, right? But that can be interchangeable with God, Allah, or any other belief system. I believe in my research of having done so many different elements, I believe that all different religions are some version of the same ultimate truth. Okay? So what does that mean for me? I do believe in a higher connective power. I do believe in an abundant opportunity for all of us to access into. I do believe that we have guides and paths that can guide us through things in life if we're leaning into the light, right? But what does that mean for me? It means for me that I believe that the greatest expression of God, the greatest expression of the universe is when I'm most deeply connected in my most authentic self. To be able to honor God, to be able to honor the universe and all of the gifts I've been given... It's to not shut off or shut down anything that I could be or want to be because we do have abundant opportunity if we allow ourselves to receive. But it does start with also asking for help and realizing that we need to open ourselves to something bigger than ourselves. I don't like the whole statement when people say, well, it's not about you. No, it's always about you. It's just bigger than you, okay? It's bigger than you. And it is a chance where we can all be connected. And so for me, my spirituality, I was deeply, deeply religious, and I say that in quotes, because I went to church, and I had a group of people that I was doing things. I would argue that my spirituality, my connection, the broader power that exists, that we all have access to, is the strongest it's ever been, but it didn't come from doing. It came from learning to be and getting myself quiet enough to be able to get the downloads and receive the messages, support, and help that are given to all of us if we're actually paying attention. And so I've learned that the more I can be, the more I am. But the more I am, the more I'm also honoring why I'm here and who I am, which allows me to get even more momentum. So we teach this to everybody because I believe that the greatest resistance and energy drain that's created for any human being exists within themselves and often between a misalignment between intellectual and emotional narratives or between their intent and their actual actions because our actions are how we demonstrate who we are to the world. Mm. And so if you are not living the life that you want, if you're feeling trash, if you're feeling garbage, if you're feeling disconnected, look in those two places. That's good. To your point exactly, find truth. Because yeah. the truth will always set you free.
1: Mm. You're so poetic in your language. It's so beautiful. Do you have a book yet? Have you written this all out?
0: I've I've, I've, I've I've, written some books. We've been in a book proposal process. It's going to happen. But here's the reality. Yeah. What I've realized and I've surrendered to is truly the timing is always perfect regardless yeah. of what I want it to be. It is. And so what I know now is that the time isn't right for my book, yeah. but it will be before too long because... Uh, I've got, I've got lots I want to share and it has little to do about me. It's about how it can move other people.
1: Yeah, it's so good. We always say that your message isn't meant for you. It's meant to move other people. So we're right on par, brother. It's so good. I mean, honestly, just transcribe this show and then extrapolate and you you got it. Your book is good. I love all of the different um, elements of being able to count, like the one, two, three, four. There's four ways. There's five ways. There's two ways because a lot of people just need that. They need the understanding that it's not as complicated as you might feel like it is, um, but to know that every single day is just one step closer. Closer to your becoming, which is ultimately that I amness. Like I just want people to be on the the mountaintop, the rooftop, wherever it is, the top of the plane, the top, wherever. To just raise your hand and and know that when you say I am, you are connected to the breath of life who gave you that I amness, and he's celebrating you in that moment. It's a celebration to get to that place, and it's not as much as we talk about valleys and mountains. And I think when I was listening to your show um, with your wife and you guys were explaining kind of the relationship you all have been on, she's like, you know, it's a roller coaster. There's ups and downs all the time. That is not something that you can avoid. But imagine if you're in the valley and you're still growing just as much as when you're in the mountaintop and you know that there's a valley coming and you're not afraid of it. I think that's where I consistently find myself not in fear, but in faith of "I'm here and there's a purpose here. Let me experience it and express it for other people so they don't feel alone, because shame well, happens the, most in the dark.
0: even even the shift of viewing it like the, like God or the universe is testing you to realizing that God or the universe is protecting and promoting you.:
1: Yeah. Right. And you just might not be
0: able to see why yet or what that looks like. Right. And at the end of the day, what I always say about all of these emotions, especially shame. Yeah. They will be adversaries in constant pursuit until the day you die. Yeah. Which means you're going to have to be vigilant in your efforts to continue to raise your awareness, step in ownership, be able to unpack it effectively, flip your lid transparently right in the moment so you can move through it. Because here's the reality. Here's the growth that happens. Will it always chase you? Yes. But I used to exist in these low-frequency, low-emotion energies for literally months and years. Mm. Now it's minutes and moments, right? Which means I have way more capacity to love, to bring light, to actually move in the life that I want to. It means I can focus and create. I can actually manifest things in my world because I don't have all this extra weight that I'm carrying because I don't need to. And so that's the other side of it. If you want to continue to feel like garbage, keep pushing through and pushing it down. But if you want to escape it, it's time to look inside
1: Mm And that is when he awakens a sleeping giant, you guys. He also considers himself a heart surgeon, not from the outside, but from the inside, and what you need to do on the inside to become who you actually ultimately are. So I feel like so many people listening to this are already going to have that next step and definitely get integrated with Brian. So blessed, so grateful to have you here today, brother. I can't wait to see how your movement continues to grow and change the world because it's one person at a time and you just sit here with me. So thank you.
0: Well, thank you for creating a platform to pour good into the world. And I know this is just the beginning for you and I create collective impact together because it's not going to happen alone. It's going to happen collectively.
1: So true. Let's obliterate shame, y'all. Bye. See you later. you over there, check it out. And thanks again, Life Audio, for being you. Life Audio presents Bridges with Monica Schmelter. That we have an enduring hope that can't be taken away when we are in Christ. And to know that we have that, right? And eternal salvation, because this world can be so busy and so dark that we can forget that. Right. Right? Because sometimes I get caught in the trappings of what's going on in my life this moment. And while I have to recognize that that's not it.
0: Continue listening on lifeaudio.com or wherever you find your podcast.